Welcome to the legacy teachings of Bill Anzavino, pastor of Christian Assembly Church since 1979. Though these teachings are decades old, we invite you to get out your Bible, take notes, and get ready to receive the uncompromised teaching of God's Word. For more information about Christian Assembly Church, please visit us online at cafamily.net. Believing that hearts will be touched, lives will be changed, minds will be renewed, spirits will be quickened. Amen? Amen. You believe that? Amen. And we'll grow in faith. Praise God. Before I look at that verse, I just want to say something that I've been wanting to say for quite a while, so I'm going to select tonight to say it. Did you ever notice that if you do a study that involves men of God who have, some, in some cases, have gone on to be with the Lord, if you'll study their work, you can glean light from truths that they held dear to their hearts. Especially if you're believing along the lines of faith and understand this kind of revelation. You focus in on certain individuals that, let's say, finish their course successfully. And if you really take a close look at their works and at their writings, I believe you can see the passion that they had in their heart for certain things. For example, have you ever read Christ the Healer by Bosworth? When you read that, the first thing that really stands out to you, if you read right at the very beginning of the book, is that this man had a passion and a dedication to teach people that it's the will of God that you be healed. Right at the beginning, you'll find out, he says, faith begins where the will of God is known. And if you don't know the will of God, you're not going to be successful in any area, whether it's healing or any other area of your life. But then he goes on to, to write in that book all about it being the will of God. Whether it be because of Jesus redeeming us from sickness and disease on the cross or because of God's love and compassion for mankind, he stresses that, look, it is the will of God that you be well and that you be whole. And you take a hold of that and that becomes a part of your spiritual conditioning. Because you've read that material and you receive from that same passion and anointing that was upon his life and ministry. And then you shift gears and you pick up an E.W. Kenyon book. Did you ever do that? And after you pick yourself up off the ground, <laughs> you know, you read after E.W. Kenyon and it's just faith. Not concerned about what you hear, not concerned about what you see, not concerned about any of the five senses whatsoever. This man just says it's pure faith. I mean, I had to chuckle a few times when I read some of the things that he wrote. It just blessed my heart so richly. But you knew that this man took faith to its limit. I'm not concerned about what I see. I'm only concerned about what God said. And forget testimonies. He says, forget testimonies. Testimonies may inspire faith, but building faith, you've got to get into the Word for yourself. And he directs you right back to the Word of God. Don't be concerned about how you feel. And he says, and you're not growing. Your five senses are still dominating. And so he goes back, pounding faith, pounding faith, pounding faith, pounding faith into your heart and into your mind. And then, of course, you pick up a John G. Lake book, right? And when you pick up a John G. Lake book, you can see the passion that he had regarding dominion. It's like he was 
so overwhelmed by the power of God in the life of the believer. You ever read his book, Dominion Over Disease, Demons and Death and all that? Dominion. Dominion. The law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus supersedes the law of sin and death. You, child of God, you've got dominion. And that becomes a part of your spiritual conditioning. The will of God. Faith, apart from your senses. You've got dominion over all the works of God's hands and over all the powers of darkness. And man, it just burns on the inside of you. And something inside you just wants to leap up from within and say, I will exercise this dominion over devils and demons and sickness and disease. And I mean, it's just the passion that's burning in you now. See, you got that. You glean that light you know, from His life and ministry. And then, of course, there is a fellow, you might know him, called Kenneth E. Hagin. I don't know if you're familiar with him or not. But you read after his materials, and of course, if you ever sat under his ministry, you can't be helped. You can't help being overwhelmed by this truth. If you want success with God. Now, I realize people have said, oh, he's that faith preacher and all that. And yes, he does preach faith. But to be frank about it, the thing I learned when I was at Ramah, I learned that if you really want to have success, you have to walk close to God and you have to walk in love. You have to walk close to God, near to the heart of God, keep a tender heart and walk in love. Man, I was on fire when I went down there to Rama. I'm telling you, I was just ablaze with the Spirit. I had read his materials. I got a hold of faith and I was applying the principles of faith. I learned some things about love. And when I got down there to, into one of the classes that he was teaching, and Brother Hagin's like a machine. I mean, he can teach from one of his books verbatim without having the book in front of him. Story. Testimony, Scripture, all that right in sequence, right in proper chronological order and never look at the book. This is the way he is. And he was teaching on the subject of um, growing up spiritually and he was teaching from the section that talks about knowing the Father and His love. And he was talking about some of these things when all of a sudden I'm just sitting there in that auditorium on a chair when all of a sudden... He said, turn to this verse. I turned to it and he read it out and said, for the Father Himself loveth you. And man, when those words came out of His mouth, it's like I was engulfed in a cloud. I was as if I was lifted off that seat. I'm talking about in spirit. And it's like the entire body of believers and students that were there, they were like in a distance at a distance, rather, they were, they were still in the same place that they were, but I changed. Something happened to me. I changed, and those words impacted my life like never before. I've heard them before, but not like at that time, on that occasion. And I was lifted to a higher plane of spiritual awareness, and I heard the same verse over again, although this was not the voice of Brother Hagin. As a matter of fact, I don't know what he taught throughout the rest of the class, because I was caught up in that. And I wasn't coming out of that. I mean, I was so caught up in that. And I heard this voice say to me, for the Father Himself loveth you. 
And I heard it again. For the Father Himself loveth you. And I'm telling you, I just began to weep right there before the Lord. For the Father Himself loveth you. Wow. John 16, 27. For the Father Himself loveth you. And I mean to tell you, I went through all these sensations within my spirit. And it was so real. I mean, you know the Father loves you. There's a degree of knowledge. You know that as well as I do. I mean, I knew the Father loved me because I could read the Bible. I knew the Father loves me. I've read John 3.16 so many times. He loves the world. He loves me. But this was like personal. You know, this was so personal. It was as if He spoke those words to me by His Spirit in this more authoritative voice of His Spirit within my being. And it just began to ring out throughout my entire being. And every part of me was flooded with the love of God like I had never experienced before. What an overwhelming love. Wow. What an awesome thing. I just wanted to sit there for a while and soak it in. You know what I mean? Just saturate myself in it. Because you can't explain those experiences, can you? You can't really, you know, relate to what's being said because you're not caught up in that at the moment. You know, you can tell about it. You can talk about it. It's like John on the Isle of Patmos trying to explain to us exactly what took place, exactly what he saw, ex- you know, exactly how he felt and all that. It's so hard to communicate along these lines of spiritual experiences. But, beloved, it was so tremendous that it still affects my life today whenever I talk about it. It was so real to me. It was directed toward me. And I, I know in my heart, you know, that God wanted me to tell other people, too, the same thing. Look at that verse. Read it over and over and over and over and over again. The Father Himself loves you. And then it hit me. You want to help people give their faith a booster shot? See, sometimes there's a struggle. I want more faith. I want to walk in more faith. I want to live and exercise more faith in my life. The Bible says that faith is energized by love. Right? Faith works by love. And really the word work there is energized. Faith is energized by love. You talk about stimulating someone's faith. It's like the little child that just runs off the platform and dives out into daddy's arms. That's faith. What is that faith in? The father's love. I know my daddy won't let me fall because he loves me. If the father didn't care... And if the father demonstrated a no-care attitude, you think that child would jump? And if, if the child did jump one time and daddy turned his back and walked away, you think that child would jump the second time? No. See, the same thing is true with us. Faith is a spiritual force. And the force that energizes that faith is love. And when a person walks in that love or enters into that realm of God's love and that spirit of that person is affected by love, it energizes that person's faith. It gives you a confidence about you that enables you to run through a troop and leap over a wall. As a matter of fact, it puts such confidence in your heart. You know that because you are walking in love, you can cast out that devil. You know because you're walking in love, you can believe God for that miracle. Because you're living the love life and walking in the love realm, you know your faith is at work. And it's effective. Amen.
And so I want to talk a little bit about this. In 1 Corinthians 14, verse 1, and I'm reading to you from the Amplified Bible, it says, Eagerly pursue and seek to acquire this love. Make it your aim, your great quest, and then earnestly desire and cultivate the spiritual endowments, especially that you may prophesy. Notice how it puts love above spiritual gifts. It does, doesn't it? See, this is the program. This is how it works. We put love first and make it our highest aim, our greatest quest. Earnestly, eagerly, with every fiber of your being, desire to live in that same realm of love. Have you thought about God's love lately? Have you really taken the, taken the time to meditate on how awesome God's love really is? And how far-reaching that love really is? You know, every time Christmas time rolls around, it makes us think about the Incarnation. And I realize many have different opinions about Christmas, but if there's one good thing that we can say about the celebration of Christmas, it makes people stop and think for a moment. Think about the fact that God became a man. The very fact that someone is celebrating Christmas, they are celebrating the fact that God Almighty became a man. Emmanuel, God who is with us. And when you think about Jesus leaving the glory world, leaving all His mighty power and glory behind, and becoming a man, and that's talking about how much He loves us, I don't think our minds can, uh, can properly calculate just how much love that took. But that's the realm that God wants us to live in. It's a realm that's so far above this realm in which we live. It's so much higher than what we experience as natural human love. It can only be explained to us in the Word of God. By the Spirit of God. And to be frank about it, it can only be made alive within us by that same Spirit of God. You want to leave this realm with me? You know, we talk about stepping out into the faith realm. That's the love realm also. You know, just get out of this realm. Start walking away from selfishness. And you know what? You'll have chains you're going to have to break. You'll have some, some ropes tied around you that you're going to have to loose yourself from. Why? Because the natural man wants to be selfish. Come on. The natural man, man wants to be selfish. And doesn't want to step out beyond that realm. We want what we want, when we want it, how we want it, etc., etc., etc. That's natural man. And, and sometimes we want things and demand things that we really didn't want in the first place. Or shouldn't even desire. But yet that strong thing tied to us called selfishness does not want to let go. I said this not too long ago, but you know what? You better watch yourself when you're doing something like this. You can be driving down a highway and someone puts on their blinker light and they want to get over in front of you. <laughs> you think you're going to get in front of me. I'm going to speed up. Natural man will talk like that. Natural man. It's almost like this is a challenge. And did you ever notice that when you go to pass up somebody on the highway or something, they go faster? Have you noticed that? And you think, 
You're going so slow, I'm trying to pass you up. You go faster when I get next to you. Why is that? See, natural man acts that way. Natural man does not want to depart from the realm of selfishness. Natural man wants to do things his own way and get his own way at all times. And beloved, in order to leave that realm, we have got to learn about divine love. And we have got to start appropriating, exercising, practicing divine love so that this man can be left behind and the new man can shine forth. You know what will happen? When that love begins to dominate our hearts, our minds, our thoughts, our words, our deeds, our actions, and all that, your faith will be effective. Amen. Your faith will get results. I'll tell you something else. And I heard Brother Hagin say this years ago, and I know it's true. He said, you want to be healthy? See, people think, if I just say the right confession, if I just use my word of faith like I'm supposed to, I'm going to be healthy. But he'd be the first one to tell you, if you're making a bold confession of faith, you better live in, in the realm of love. Because if you're not living in love, you're not going to be healthy. And it doesn't matter how many scriptures you know. Isn't that true? Amen. It is true. See, love is to dominate our hearts and our lives, our actions, our words and our deeds. And if we want our faith to work, then we've got to stay in the realm of love. So what is the trick of the enemy? What's he going to do? He's going to come along and just make us stumble and make us trip and, and cause things to happen in our lives to get us out of the realm of love. And what's he going to use or who is he going to use? Something that is meaningless, something that doesn't affect us in any way? No, the things that he knows will irk you the most. And in actuality, he can even use your own mate. True. People in the body of Christ. Family members and close friends. All he has to do is just bring a little confusion into a situation. You want to see him tear relationships apart? All he's got to do is bring a little confusion. You know, you may see it one way, but it really didn't happen that way. But that's the way you saw it, and that's the way you thought it was happening, and yet it was not the truth. But because you don't know all the facts and all that, you get upset, you harbor ill feeling in your heart, etc., etc. Those are tactics of the enemy to get God's people out of the realm of love. Causing all kinds of things to happen, creating situations to get us out of the realm of love. Why? To paralyze our faith so that we can't get results. And that's why God is saying, look, I want you to eagerly pursue and seek to acquire this love. In other words, do everything you possibly can to leave the realm of selfishness and leap into the realm of love. And beloved, you're going to have to have this and so am I, this, this kind of a mindset in order to be successful in doing so. You're going to have to say, it doesn't matter to me who else walks in love. I am going to live in that realm. Are you ready for some abuse? Because you will be abused. But you know what? In the end, love will win. The Bible says love never faileth. In the end, love will win out. You say, but it doesn't look that way. In the end, love will win out. You say, but I don't fully understand that. Just know this. In the end, love will win. 
When Jesus died on the cross, did it look like He was winning? It looked like He was losing. As a matter of fact, I've often thought this. At that moment, what did His disciples really think of Him? He has forsaken us. He is gone now. What are we going to do? Can we really believe in His words? I mean, were they all just running out to see whether or not He was resurrected from the dead? At first, they didn't even believe He was resurrected from the dead. Think about what went through their minds. Think about it. I mean, it's something to think about. How do they feel about it? He's gone now. And what were they concerned with? Themselves. What are we going to do? What am I going to do? How is this going to affect my life? How is this going to affect me? Where do we go from here? It's so easy to drift right back down into that realm of selfishness. But you know what? Jesus walked in love. And Jesus had the mindset that told Him, love never fails. And you may view my death on the cross as a failure, but it will be successful in delivering you from the hand of the enemy. It's like telling a child, a young child, you don't go out of this driveway. And if you see your ball rolling down the driveway out into the street, you just don't do it. And the child can't understand it. And the child sees that ball rolling out into the street and it begins to run chasing after that ball. And you go grab that child from behind and you're saying to that child, I'm not going to let you go. And they start to scream and, and just do all kinds of things, you know, through a little fit, a little tantrum. Why? You're stopping them from getting that ball. They want that ball. You know how bad that child wants that ball? And who are you so mean? I want that ball. You see where they're living? They don't have the broader perspective. They don't know, at least they're not taught yet, cars drive down that road. A car can run you over. You won't see that automobile. You're concerned for that child's life. You've got a greater picture that you look at. They can't see that. But at that moment, you're doing the right thing. And they still can't see that. But when they grow up and get a little bit older, they'll know exactly what you did for them, won't they? When you tell them about it. Well, the same thing is true with us. Aren't we growing in Christ? Aren't we growing in the Word of God, in the things of God, in the love of God? God will tell you right now, this person is abusing you to no end, or this is happening, or that is happening, and He'll tell you to walk in love. When your flesh and everything within you wants to sue. And God says, no, that's not the course of action I want you to take. But you're thinking within you that this is the course of action I'm supposed to take. This is what I need to do. I need to do it, and I need to do it now. Why? To satisfy your fleshly desires. And if we're not careful, it's like get-even attitude, and I'll get you. Isn't that what that child is doing when it's trying to claw you to get away, to go get that ball? I want what I want. I want it now. I can understand you're trying to help me and save my life. I'm just going to go get it. I really believe that if we walk in love, we'll save our lives. Did you hear that? Walking in love will save your life. Walking in love will save my life at times that we're not even aware of it. Just like that little child was not aware that the life was spared. See? Let love be the force that holds us back. Let divine love be the force that holds us back, keeps us in check, and keeps our selfishness in check 
so that we don't act improperly and paralyze our faith. God wants us to eagerly pursue this love with every part of our being until that love just begins to overtake us. And we lift up above this realm of the natural and operate in the realm of the supernatural. And you know what, beloved? Walking in love is walking in the realm of God. Walking in love is walking near and close to God and with God. Amen. And that's why He wants us to do these things. I've got to have the mindset that says, it doesn't matter if anybody else practices love. I'm going to. When you hear a conversation and people are are using their their tongue to destroy other people's lives or criticize or be judgmental, you can either join right on in or you can say, you know what? Even if all of what you're saying is true, I'm just going to back off from that conversation and I'm going to live in the realm of love. I'm going to believe the best about every person. You say, but how can you do that? You do that because you're operating in this higher power. You're not letting your flesh to dominate you. You're allowing your spirit that's been taught in love to dominate you. And it doesn't really matter. I've had people tell me, but they did this to you, that to you, and said this and that about you. What are you going to do about it? I'm going to say this. No weapon formed against me can prosper. And every tongue that shall rise against me in judgment is condemned. Let God defend me. Amen? And shouldn't that be our attitude? Every single one of us. You say, but... You're not going to get anywhere that way in life. I'm just concerned about pleasing God, not pleasing man. And if I please God, I'll get somewhere in this life. Maybe not the same way someone else does, but it's going to be the better way to go. Amen? Amen. Galatians 5, 6 says, In Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision availeth anything, but faith which worketh or is energized by love. That's what matters. What matters is my faith working by love. Say that with me. What matters is my faith working by love. Energized by God's love. See, that's what matters. And remember this. This is a spiritual force. And so we're talking about a spiritual matter within the heart of the individual. And these are things that that are to be considered to be very precious and valuable to us. I've got to consider my spiritual condition a very precious and valuable thing. And I don't want it marred or marked because I am stepping out of the realm of love. You know, it took Jesus a lot for me to get this way. What about you? To save us, it took a lot, didn't it? And so to impart to us His life, His nature, His ability, His love, and etc. It took a lot, didn't it? Amen. And so I appreciate that and so should you. And so we don't want to do anything to mark that, to mar that, to bring anything against that. We want to live in the realm of love and let that love prevail in our hearts and over our lives. And if we'll do so, praise God, what will happen is our faith will work by love. Now, For an example, here is an individual, a lady who got into an argument with her brother and for 25 years they never spoke to each other. Both of them were Christians and yet never spoke to each other. The woman had a physical condition in her body, her respiratory system. She had problems there and 
in her stomach. She had problems there. And she was going to get healed. She wanted to get healed. She wanted to go into a prayer line. But, you know, when she went, she heard about walking in love and forgiving and not harboring any ill feeling within your heart. If you want to receive from God, receiving from God is a spiritual thing. It involves faith. It involves a spiritual atmosphere created by love. And so rather than being prayed for, she went and she called her brother on the phone and said to him, I was wrong. I should have called you a long time ago. We should have, you know, patched this thing up a long time ago and we didn't do it. But I just want you to know that I was wrong. I shouldn't have done this. He said the same thing to her. He said, I wanted to call you and I didn't call you. And so they made up right there on the phone. She said, the moment we hung up from that phone, this great peace came over me. Now listen carefully because this is talking about spiritual forces. Peace. Thank God for the peace. You know the peace a person has when their heart is right with God? Oh, it's a peace that passes all understanding. Perfect peace. She had perfect peace. She said, I laid down to take a nap. I was at such peace. And when I woke up from that nap, she said, every symptom disappeared from my body without being prayed for, without having hands laid on her, just from hearing the Word of God, acting on the Word of God, and getting unforgiveness out of her heart, she got healed. No more stomach condition, no more respiratory problem. That's good, isn't it? Isn't that wonderful? See, she opened up an avenue through which God could work. There was another individual, and this individual went to see the doctor, and he was told he had 30 days to live. 30 days to live, and that was it. Can you imagine that kind of sentence being handed to you? You've got 30 days to live, and that's all there is to it. And he did the same thing. He was going to go, and he was going to have hands laid upon him to be healed and all that, but he heard the message. If you really want health, to live in divine health or to receive healing from the Lord, you have got to live in the realm of love. You can't harbor any ill feeling within you, any bitterness or anything like that, unforgiveness within your heart at all. You've got to let go of those things. These are spiritual matters we're talking about here. And those are spiritual forces. And so, he made a decision to make some changes in his own life. He was going to leave the realm of selfishness and get into the realm of love. And he called up everybody he had to call up to make it right with God and right with man. And when he goes out, all the unforgiveness out, asking people to forgive him and, of course, God to forgive him, you know what happened? This fellow was healed from terminal cancer. Healed, not without, not with having hands laid on him. Just by getting it out. The cancer left. Isn't that wonderful? Isn't that beautiful to hear that? Because he got his heart right. See, faith is of the heart. Love is of the heart. And when the heart is affected by unforgiveness and animosity and bitterness and all these different forces that are negative... Faith is paralyzed, not energized. We want our faith energized, not paralyzed. Can you say amen? Amen. Amen. That's the way it needs to be. Now, I want you to turn with me, if you would, please, to the book of Ephesians and chapter 5. Now, when it comes to living in this realm of love and walking in the realm of God, we know we're doing so because the Bible says in 1 John 4, 7 and 8, that we are to love one another for love is of God and everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. He loveth not, does not know God, for God is love. 
And in the third chapter, it talks about if you're walking in love or you're keeping the commandment of God, then God is dwelling in you and you are dwelling in Him. In other words, there's interaction between you and God when you're living in the realm of love, keeping that commandment of love. You're obeying love's command, the law of love. And as a result, there's interaction with God. You are alive in God and God is alive in you. So when you're living in the realm of love and and you're refusing to give in to your selfish desires and mind and you're choosing to let love dominate your life, you are choosing to live in the realm that God lives in. And you're allowing the force of love to energize your faith so that you can have confidence toward God. You know, when there is a lack in spirit, there is a lack of confidence toward God. And I'm talking about your ability. I'm talking about my ability. I know when I'm not doing something right, I lack confidence toward God. And you're the same way too. If you're under a sense of guilt or condemnation because you've not done something you know you should do for God, isn't your heart weighed down by that? And until you get it right, you're going to remain that way. But when you get it right, thank God He's greater than our heart and knows all things. Amen? And forgives us and and restores us. Now I've got confidence toward God. Why? Because I'm loving my brother. If I'm not loving the brethren, I'm going to lack confidence toward God. There are those who think they can get by with that and really they're living in a a false realm because you can't get by without loving your brethren. You can't be anywhere in God that you need to be if you're not loving your brother. And neither can I. Isn't that true? But when you live in the realm of love and you love your brother and your sister and you let love dominate your life, then that love energizes your faith. It creates a confidence inside you. How does that work? Well, these are spiritual forces. I know this condemnation paralyzes. Can you agree to that? Condemnation paralyzes. Why do you think the devil wants to get you works conscience? Think about it. Because if I think I've got to do this, this, all these different things, and I lack here and I don't do it, I feel guilty. Can you imagine this? There are those that are under guilt because they feel they don't pray enough. What's praying enough? Well, I was taught I'm supposed to pray for an hour straight every single day. And if I only prayed 47 minutes, man, I'm just lacking. I'm just not disciplined enough, man. And they start walking around. Instead of thinking about the 47 minutes they prayed, they're thinking about the 13 that they didn't. That's a trick of the enemy to get you under guilt and condemnation so that he paralyzes your faith and you're ineffective in doing anything for God or even receiving from Him. See, these are all tricks of the enemy to get us to a place where our spirit man is held captive. He doesn't want those forces to be released out of our spirits. And so he's got to come against them with unforgiveness and bitterness. Got to come against them with condemnation and guilt, a lack of confidence, discouragement and all that, a loss of spiritual initiative. We don't want any of that. And if you're living in the realm of love, you won't have any of that. Without doubt, you won't have any of that. When you're living in the realm of of love, you are living in the realm of God and also you have confidence toward God. That's in 1 John chapter 3. We might look at that in a minute since it keeps coming up. But in Ephesians chapter 5, boy, I've got to say something here. I have to say it because God impressed it upon my heart to say so. I realize there may be some out there saying, but you you don't understand, brother. I love my neighbor. Just the other day, I shoveled the snow when it snowed. I raked some of their leaves. Well, did you? Come over here. We'll pat you on the back. Amen. And give you a hand clap because you did that. So what a wonderful deed you did. But did you tell about then you went home and you were nasty to your wife? Hold on just for a minute. 
Look at Ephesians 5.25. Husbands, try to love your wives. Husbands, do everything in your power. Husbands, love your wives even as Christ also loved the church. Did you hear that? See, I don't want to start talking about your neighbor. I don't want to talk about anybody else in the world. Now, I heard one person say this. I know it says husbands love your wives, but wives don't have to love their husbands because the Bible doesn't say that, that wives are to agape their husbands. It doesn't. What about the commandment of love in John uh, chapter 13 and 34 where it says we are to love one another? Is that a relationship of one another? Husbands are commanded to love their wives as Christ loved the church. And wives are also to love their husbands with divine love. Isn't that true? And so we'll look at both of these verses here in Ephesians 5.25. Husbands, love your wives as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. And then look at verse 22. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. And the reason why I'm choosing this is because this is what God has spoken to my heart. Too often it's very easy to, to really slack off in this particular area because we get used to each other. See, if I'm going to walk in love, it's with my boss. You don't know how my boss treats me. And it's everything I could possibly do to go to work today. And I am going to, I'm making a decision to walk in love. I'm going to walk in love. And I keep saying, I endure long, I'm patient and kind. I'm never envious. I don't boil over jealousy. I'm not boastful or vainglorious. I don't display myself haughtily. And it goes right on through that love chapter saying, I'm not going to do the wrong thing. I'm going to do the right thing. But what about at home? What about with each other? It's easy to let our guard down because we take each other for granted too often. You realize that command to love the wife as Christ loved the church still holds for today? And what an awesome responsibility that is. See, and it's so far-reaching. And gave Himself. Wait a minute. We can give ourselves to work. We can give ourselves to the business meeting. We can give ourselves to the ball game. We can give ourselves to this. We can give ourselves to that and all these other things. But you don't understand, I've got to do this and I've got to do that. But what about giving ourselves to our wives? How far-reaching is that? And gave Himself for the church the way He did. Amen. He did, didn't He? And men, I'm preaching better than you're responding tonight. Come on. <laughs> it's like, does he have to be talking about this right now? Yes. yes, we do. You know why, beloved? Because it affects every single one of us. This is where it starts, right in the home. I'm not to take her for granted. I am to love her as Christ loved the church. I told you to appreciate this, honey. I am to love her as Christ loved the church and give myself. First of all, if I don't know how Jesus gave himself for the church, how am I supposed to know how to love my wife? You say, but I'll just, just do what comes naturally. No, no, no. Before we do what comes naturally, let's do a study and find out what supernatural love is all about and what it means that Jesus gave himself for the church. And after you do that study... You look at your wife with different eyes. And you say, you know what? This is really 
like love's test. It really is. If I can't love her the same way Christ loved the church, how can I really tell myself I'm loving anybody else like Christ loved the church? Or that I'm laying down my life for the brethren? See, it starts right here. And if she can't reciprocate that love and submit to me and love me with agape love, how can she tell herself I'm loving the body of Christ with the same kind of love? You see why the enemy wants to come along between a husband and wife and bring friction and dissension and all kinds of things and really help us be more selfish. I think he has help us be more selfish pills when it comes to those relationships. You know, you just want to be yourself. You just want to let go. And sometimes you want to let go too much and just say, I don't want any restrictions upon me right now. I just want to be left alone today. But am I really thinking about my wife's needs? Am I really considering giving myself totally to her in every way as God wants me to? I mean, I give myself to work. You may go to work and spend eight, nine, ten hours there at work and you gave yourself and you may be proud of the fact that you totally devoted yourself all of those eight or ten hours that you worked that day and you worked hard. But now when you, want, when you go home, what you really want when you go home is to be waited on hand and foot because you gave yourself to your employer. But let's stop for a moment and gave Himself. Husband, love your wife as Christ loved the church and gave Himself. This is a higher thing than your job. Now it's time to give yourself yourself. I have to admit, we're all guilty of this. I'm telling you, the Ohio State Buckeyes are playing. I mean, we're talking about you know, possible national championship ramifications here. Okay? And Chris is trying to tell me something and she's going like... You ever been there? You ever been there before? Honey, they're about to score a touchdown just one second. Once, I'll give myself to you in a second. See, I'm telling on myself. But there are all things... There are certain things that may be that for me or something else for you. But we're not as attentive as we need to be. You know Why? Listen carefully, husbands, myself included, because we're not teaching ourselves to give ourselves to our wives the way Christ said that He gave Himself for the church. See, that's not a, a, a major thing, obviously, then. It's not a primary thing. Otherwise, I would be, and you would be, we all would be, putting that where it belongs, a primary thing in my life. She's first. And I'm to give myself for her as Christ gave Himself for the church. Am I giving her my attention? Am I giving her of my energies? Am I giving her the help that she needs? We say, what's this got to do with love? Everything. If I can't give myself to her in love, how can I give myself to anybody else in love and have confidence toward God? See, beloved... It's too easy in the home and vice versa. The wife can get caught up in all kinds of different things and really not give herself as she needs to give herself for her husband and be submissive toward her husband 
allowing that kind of love to flow through her. See, and the enemy knows that if he can get in that relationship and, and cause all kinds of problems, what's going to happen? This powerful force, if two be agreed on this earth, it's ten times greater. And that powerful force is now diminished in strength. And not necessarily that bad things are happening. This, I'm not talking about bad things happening. You understand that? I'm not talking about he's abusing her or she's abusing him mentally, emotionally, or any other way. What I'm talking about is the mindset and the heart attitude that hasn't been developed. See, if I want to get somewhere in God, I've got to let love reign. And part of love reigning in my heart is to love my wife and give myself to her as Christ gave Himself to the church. And if I don't develop that within myself, I'm limiting love. I'm diminishing the power of God that's created in that relationship. But I'm expecting God to move in this. And I'm expecting to see some power of God manifested as husbands and wives begin to respond saying, hey, wait a minute, this is my responsibility. It's a primary concern that I have in life. When I go home from work tonight, what I'm going to do is, I realize I've worked all day, but she's worked all day too. And when I get there, I'm going to say, honey, I'm here to give myself to you, to help you, to do what you would have me to do. Because I'm to lay down my life for you. Do you need my attention? Do you just not love and affection? Do you need help in any way? I'm here to give myself for you. I'm not going to stop just because I did it at work. I'm not going to come home and just kick off my shoes and sit back and relax and just say, wait on me. I want to love you with divine love. I want to step out beyond my selfish needs. And I want to allow God's divine love to rule my heart. And vice versa. Can you see what will happen and what will be created in that atmosphere? Great things. Well, I'm going to stop. I'm not done, but I'm going to stop. Let's all stand before the Lord. Thank you for listening to our legacy teachings. We pray today's message has a profound impact upon your life and your ministry. I want you to know that God loves you, has a great plan for your life. But if you've never made Jesus Christ Lord and Savior of your life, I'd like to invite you to do that right now. Just pray this simple prayer right after me. Just say, Heavenly Father, I come to you just as I am. And I believe with all my heart that Jesus died for my sins and was raised from the dead for me. I open the door of my heart. I call upon the name of the Lord. Lord Jesus, come into my heart now. I receive you and accept you as my personal Savior and Lord. If you prayed that prayer with me, you're a child of God right now, and I encourage you to get into a good Bible-based church where you can learn to grow in your Christian faith and experience. God bless.